Hey Brenda, have you heard of Podcasterio Fest 2017? I have not. Tell me all about it. So this is actually an awesome event where you and I will be there. Actually, a, I have heard of it. <laughs> with, a bunch of, with a bunch of other amazing podcasts. And it's actually going to take place on November 19th at Plaza de la Cultura at 501 North Main Street, Los Angeles, California. The tentative hours are from 1 to 6 p.m. And it might be longer, but what's going on at the same time? At the same time, we're also going to have Molcajeta Dominguero, which if you haven't gone, you have to absolutely go to this. It's a monthly vending experience where 70 Latinx vendors come together to showcase and sell their one-of-a-kind items. This is super cool. So the event is called Podcasterio Fest 2017, a Latinx digital media experience. And it's created to amplify the Latinx voices of the podcast world and as a space for the community to discuss visibility and invisibility of Latinx digital content creators. Can you connect to that topic? Definitely. I think this is an example of what when Solange said, you know, don't try to win their awards. Don't try to win in their spaces. Create your own spaces. And this is a perfect example of that. Very cool. So you're going to get to catch podcasts like The Currently and Tamarindo and others. So make sure you come to Podcasteria Fest 2017. And you can get more information, especially on Instagram. Just look up at Podcasterio Fest and at Molcajete Dominguero. You can yes, you can follow them, and we want to thank Plaza de Cultura y Artes for hosting the event. Yes, 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 and two other podcasts that you can see on there is Nos Vemos en el Summit and Woohoo! All right, so make sure you find us, and we will see you at Podcasterio Fest. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast, a socially conscious talk show with the Latinx vibe. We are friends talking politics, food, music, and life. Welcome! Hello, Tamarindo Podcast listeners. It's Brenda. I have a special episode for you today. Instead of a Tamarindo Podcast episode, we are going to introduce you to another Support Brown Podcast podcast. But before we do that, I want to let you know about an amazing music festival called Tropicalia. We've been talking about it on several episodes. It's coming up November 11th in Long Beach with Los Tigres del Norte, Chicano Batman, Cali Uchis, Wanda Jackson, so many others. We hope that we see you there. Just go to the website, Tropicalia Music Fest, and you can get your tickets It's going to be super fun. We're going to be there. We actually gave away some tickets in a past episode. If you watch us live, you'll, you'll be able to do, do things like that, hopefully more in the future. So again, go to tropicaliafest.com and you can get all the information November 11th in Long Beach. Okay, so let me tell you about Morado Lens. So Morado Lens is a feminist podcast hosted by two childhood friends who discuss embracing your inner bruja, hashtag inner bruja, sex and culture. Always funny, always real. The hosts are Cindy Rodriguez and Natalie Farfan, two amazing Latinas over there in New York and the East Coast. 
Maybe they're from Jersey in the East Coast. <laughs> I hope that you all check that out, Morado Lens. So what we're going to do now is we're going to, they let us play an amazing episode with the amazing, amazing Dolores Huerta. I cannot believe that these ladies got to speak to that legend, Dolores Huerta. I've met her a couple of times, but I certainly have not had her on Tamarindo. But I did get the opportunity to see her amazing documentary about her life, which is really, really great. And so Dolores Huerta is going to talk to Cindy and Natalie about this documentary. It's great. So we're going to get to know this podcast. And I want to take advantage of this opportunity to let you know that I really appreciate when you all take some time to write us a review. It's so important. And I know that you've seen a series of guest hosts joining me here on this channel. Up next, we're going to have Julissa Arce as guest host. We're going to talk to some amazing people. And very soon, very, very soon, we will announce who the official next co-host of Tamarindo will be. If you've been paying attention, you might have seen a couple hints. And I want to let you know, too, that soon you'll be able to buy a T-shirt that says Educated Pelionera. All right, let's take it away with Morado Lens. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. This is Nat. And this is Cindy. And this is Marauder Lens. Hello, hello. A feminist podcast hosted by two childhood friends who talk about sex, culture, and embracing your inner bruja. Always funny, always real, y'all. Man, today was such a beautiful day. Oh, man. I'm still living off that high right now. We're, like, really happy. Oh, my God. So, it's like, what a blessing. Today was, talk about manifestations. We <gasps> have planted the seed to interview the one and only Dolores Huerta way back when. Yeah. Cindy sent out an email to her people. And then. And another one and another one and then another and then one the <laughs> and then we're like you know what we've done our part we've tried our best now it's time for um you know the world and the universe to take on um so today is the solar eclipse it's the new moon yeah and our seeds have grown and manifested to what we are going to introduce to you as a dolores huerta interview it was so good y'all i just want to like i mean you know i'm saying y'all not even from the south but like Literally, it just made everything that we've ever done kind of just circle back. You know, our trip to Standing Rock, the wanting to march, everything like feminism and like just wanting to turn taboo subjects on their head and just talking to her. Just, you know, you work a lot and she just made it all seem like, yes, keep going. Keep you know? going, but also her wisdom as an elder, you know, mm -hmm. as an indigenous woman, as a native, as an activist, like she really is someone that I have always looked up to. I know Cindy has too. Cindy's had the chance to interview her in the past for media yeah. companies at the time who didn't believe that this was a good thing mm -hmm. to cover and yeah. a lot of your interviews with her never went live yeah right? people thought that she was a little con too controversial and like maybe one day i'll release that just to kind of give her a, a shout out because it it was like the beginning of me being so active in, in the latino community so did you ever imagine that you'd be interviewing her now for your own oh, never platform? girl you told me this last year would have been like you crazy i'm not interviewing her for nothing like by myself no way oh i would have no way 
Ah, so so thank you to Dolores Huerta. Thank you to all her people that made it happen, including Juana, including Leila. You know who you are. We love you. You're mm-hmm. women. You understood that we came with a purpose, um, with a genuine, um, with a genuine one, and that we believe in everything Dolores does. And we hope that you know all other women take from this, get inspired, and go on and fight for human rights, women rights, and overall the earth. Yes. Um, because si se puede. Oh, honey, yes, si se puede. And the reason, the core reason why we even had this opportunity to interview her is that she has a documentary coming out about her life, about about her activism and, and everything that she has fought so hard for. And it's going to be in New York from September 1st to the 6th. We'll have all that information up on our website yep. so you can go see it and support her because really you want to see more Latina feminists like her, you got to support them while they're here. That's right. really it. And that'll be on our website at moradolens.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and this interview will be going, um, it'll be on iTunes, Spotify, mm-hmm. everywhere, iHeart, Google Play, <laughs> um, yeah, Stitcher, for those that got the Android. That's right. Um, so yeah, Please tune in, show love, go to DoloresHuerta.org to check out the next screening near you. Mm -hmm. Um, And once again, ladies and gentlemen, si se puede. Yes, we can. Enjoy. So, um, Dolores, thank you so much for your time. Um, We first want to start out with and just ask, um, how did this documentary come about? Well, this this was all Carlos Santana's bright idea. Mm -hmm. He's the one that came up with the idea of doing the documentary. And so one day I get a call from... uh, uh, Carlos and Peter, and they said they're going to be doing this documentary on my work with the with the Farmworkers Union and part of my life. And and of course, I was thrilled to even think about that they were going to, going to do this. And it was really interesting because the project started four and a half years ago. Oh, wow. and who would know that uh, it would be relevant today with all of the issues that we're facing now with the Trump administration? Mm-hmm. And I like to say that artists are prophets. You know, they, they're very prophetic, and here this this uh, documentary really proves that. What were some challenges in getting this movie done? Well, I think one of the challenges that they had, number one, they couldn't tie me down because I was busy campaigning (laughs) with Hillary (laughs) all over the country. And so I didn't really have a lot of input into the documentary. uh, but, uh, uh, But one of the great things that they did is that the research that they did on on previous interviews, like in the documentary, there's this conversation between Cesar and myself that they kind of used as a, a basis for a large part of the documentary that I don't even remember doing that. That uh, oh, you know, so they about, went to archives and yeah, found they went stuff. to archives. It was just amazing what they found there, and they, so they have in the and and some of the shooting that they did, you know, the filming that they did uh, was with Gloria Steinem and with Angela Davis with Congresswoman Raul Grijalva, mm-hmm. who was the co-chair of the Progressive Caucus. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, and the way they put the whole thing together in, in the movie that, uh, number one, it's entertaining, but at the same time, it's very instructional about some of the issues that we're not facing still today, mm-hmm. that we were facing way back there in the, in the 60s and the 70s. Speaking of the 60s and the 70s, um, there was a big part of Dolores Huerta, not just as this brand or this activist, but everything you've done from motherhood to raising your children, um, the media, historians, men at times, try to erase that history so that we don't know it today. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some ways that you kind of overcame this? And is this some, a story that's still happening now? 
Well, I think that as an organizer, when you're trying to organize for a movement like you know what we've been I've been doing all my life, you're not really thinking of the publicity, you're, mm-hmm. you're not thinking of the historical context of what you're doing. You're just trying to get the job done, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I really you know didn't really deal with it because it really wasn't something that that I ever gave much thought to. Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm very grateful that you know that uh, that Peter and, and Carlos uh, you know decided to, to do this film and bring out some of the issues that I was involved in and, the, the, and the, again the great thing is that so many of those issues that we were fighting then uh, we're fighting today and the other great thing that there is in the film I think is is uh, Latina feminist is uh, my transition uh, from being anti-abortion and I had that transition and it was uh, because of people like Gloria Stein and like Eleanor Smill, the head of the feminist majority, that made me realize that yes, uh, a woman's body is what really determines her life. Mm-hmm. And that if women cannot control their own body, they cannot control their own lives, you know. Right. And But that was a big transition for me, like I think a lot of Latina women, because of our uh, Catholicism and the way right. that we're exactly. raised, you know. And, and you're a devout Catholic, you would say, yes, right? Uh, yes, and, and, and not, but realizing, too, that so many of the policies of the church are archaic and wrong, you know. Right. right. What was the turning point for you to, figure, to like, jump from anti-abortion to pro-abortion? That's huge. Well, yeah, and it was primarily because of people like uh, Eleanor Smeal, you know, mm-hmm. the head of the Prime majority and Gloria Steinem mm-hmm. that um, and I think with Gloria it was kind of I came to the position of being a uh, choice of choice you know mm-hmm. but then with Ellie's meals it was really to understand that women had to have that right you know uh, to abort if, if, if needed and if need be mm-hmm. and and then the, as a mother of 11 children realizing that uh, you really don't it, a child has life when it's born I mean when it's actually born that that's when life begins with children oh, that brings us it's a great segue to um, motherhood uh, huge just huge, motherhood huge. as a whole and we yeah. know because there's so many Latina women and we know that uh, the Latina women that I've spoken to uh, who voted against um, Hillary was mm-hmm. because of that issue because of the abortion issue. Mm -hmm. That was a big part of it. I mean, I think religion played a big part of a lot, Mm -hmm. but it's such an irony that now we have Trump who doesn't have a good moral compass running this country Mm -hmm. full of these devout religious people, quote-unquote. But how motherhood is so important. I'm a mother myself of a three-year-old, so when I hear you had 11 children and you were this wonderful activist and really um, an icon to the world, I, it's just, I can't even fathom how you did it all. How did you take on that journey as a mother, as an activist, simultaneously? Well, I think that the main thing is that uh, I didn't do it by myself. I had to ask for help, you mm-hmm. know. In the farm worker movement, we did have a daycare center for the children, and then uh, we had uh, people that actually stepped in and actually helped us. Wow. And so, uh, you know, it was a, the idea, and I know it's hard for mothers to want to have other people take care of your children. <laughs> we feel very, very protective. And, and, and as we should, you know, as we should. But I think we have to realize that if, other, if we don't ask other people for help, that we cannot really engage. And I think that's one of the big issues for women is that we have to really fight for early childhood education for our kids because we need women's voices in civic life. And if we can't do that because we're tied down, you know, with the housework or mm-hmm. with our regular work, because women work, you know, have two jobs, that uh, we really can't, women really can't participate. So it takes and, a village, right? Uh, yeah, it does. It takes a village and, and it, it also takes women demanding, you know, that kind of support for themselves. And I, I like to quote Coretta Scott King, who says, uh, we'll never have peace unless women take power. Mm. We'll never have peace unless women take power. 
Oh, that brings me to my next point. I really wanted to ask you about sexism. You said something in the LA Times, and forgive me, I'm misquoting you. Here it is. It's sexism is always so painful because it comes from the people that are close to you. I think sexism is much more painful than racism. Until we get the majority representation, it's always going to be hard for us. Mm-hmm. That really resonated with me because it wasn't until I read that that I thought, wow, sexism is so just like thrown around in family parties, within friends, and it's only really racism outside of our communities. Like, how did you deal with that? And is it still an issue? Well, uh, not so much now, I think, uh, because I'm not working around as many men as I was in, in, mm-hmm. the, in the United Farm Workers, right? Uh, but you do see its uh, its presence, you know, because women are always uh, diminished, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always not treated as we're important, especially w- w- women of color. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and I think it's something that we get those little microaggressions, you know, either because we're women of color or because we are because we are women. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, and I, but I think the one thing that I have decided uh, is uh, to do what I call instant education with people. You know, when you see somebody make a sexist remark and chistes colorados, you know, oh, right. you call you call people on them. You say, mm-hmm. you realize that that's an offensive remark that you made about women. Right. And I do the same thing when they make a racist remark or a homophobic remark. You know, we've got to step up at that moment and, and, and edu- I call it instant education. I okay? love that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't realize that. That like uh, older uh, men, for instance, because uh, maybe of my era, you know, they will call girls honey or or whatever, and you know Baby. they yeah, and, and and they don't realize that the remarks are offensive, and you have to kind of educate them at the spot because you know I'm sorry, but you know we just don't talk that way anymore, and because you know sometimes it's people we they've been raised raised with all of these. Uh, a kind of a sexist uh, culture, and they don't realize that what they're saying or what they're doing is offensive to women. You know? and the best way to teach is educate, not not so much take it personal, because sometimes this doesn't come with malintent. Mm-hmm. But instant education could really solve that problem right, exactly, at times. Exactly. Um, and then just the last question from us is: What kind of advice do you have for feministas um, and activists, um, and how to play that role as an activist in their communities now? Well, I think that, you know, getting other people involved in activism is very important mm-hmm. uh, to make people understand that they can make a difference, to get people involved in voting. Mm-hmm. That's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Get involved in voting because at the end of the day, the only way that we can really change policies is by getting people to vote and get people to run for office. With my organization, the Dolores Puerto Foundation, we have so many of our, our people that we have organized in house meetings are now sitting on school boards and water boards, you know, mm-hmm. and city councils. And even if they don't have a college education, that doesn't mean that they don't have the intelligence right. and then they can learn on the job like the guys do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so we need to get more women in power. You know, we've got to uh, get, you know, get that gender balance because we need more women at the boards where the decisions are being made. Right. And the women's intuition, the women's voice, our women's uh, intelligence is very, very important. Yes. How do you tap into your intuition? Pardon me? How do you tap into your intuition? Uh, First of all, we have to recognize it and acknowledge it, and sometimes it doesn't make sense, you know, because we our intuition is telling us one thing, and reality is telling us, telling us something else. Right. And I think we just have to trust our intuition and know that it's right, even if it doesn't make sense to other people, mm-hmm. and kind of work and see how we can realize it and, and bring it to fruition. And sometimes it's hard because people don't understand. Uh, I, I remember many times that I was seasoned, I would just feel something so strongly, but I couldn't have any facts to sustain. Right. What I was feeling, 
And then afterwards, we would find out that what my feelings were right, you know, about any particular, mm -hmm. uh, top, uh, you know, event or or or, or, or kind of a, a program that we're going to be doing, or you know, some kind of campaign. Mm -hmm. And my intuition was completely right. But sometimes, you know, uh, and my mother always told me, don't be afraid to say what you're thinking or what you're feeling. And I have to say that to women because a lot of times we just hold back because we think that somebody's going to make fun of us or we're going to be wrong. And even if sometimes what we say isn't completely on target, we can always correct it. You know? right. It's okay to make mistakes, right? It. Yeah, because yeah. oh, we, we have to learn from our mistakes. And mm -hmm. I think that women have to be emboldened and we have to have what I call emotional fortitude, mm -hmm. that strength within ourselves, you know, having that faith in ourselves. It's so important. We're huge on that because we're, we feel like it's like the foundation to just empowering ourselves and empowering our community. Mm -hmm. And I love that you mentioned that about intuition because that's exactly what, you know, mm -hmm. we're all about here. But I know you mentioned, you know, you, when you were Cesar Chavez and you made a decision, do you think that was part of the reason why you chose grapes over potatoes? I know that there's a, you know, iconic photo with you holding that like sign that says huelga. Mm -hmm. And that was a discussion, you know, he wanted to go with potatoes and you chose grapes. Was that one of those moments that you're just like, no, this has to be, this is the decision we have to go with? Well, actually, uh, we had an, a, a board, mm. and we didn't have any money. It was really interesting when we made that decision to go mm. on strike. You know? <laughs> but it was like one of those organic things, you know. And that's what I say to people, too, is that when we're organizing, you don't have to have the whole enchilada right away. You know mm. what I mean? You can start with two or three people, and then that will grow. Because when we started the union, it was Cesar and his wife, Helen, and me. There was just the three of us, you know. Mm. And Helen was out there working in the fields, actually, to raise the money to sustain the organization. And uh, and pretty soon then his brother came to help us and his cousin came and there were more and pretty soon and I, I remember this so we don't have to think I'm, I have to have a hundred people to do this you can start out with two or three or four but we call the militant few mm -hmm. to go, up, go out there and start organizing and then other people will join you and also I think for women too not not to take it personal when we get criticized because people sometimes may not be with us or they don't don't understand what we're doing mm -hmm. and sometimes they're not ready for our message and that don't take it personal because they're not ready for our message now. Maybe they will be later on, especially when we're successful in what we're doing. And you're proof of that. So yeah, thank true. you for that. Exactly. exactly. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. And visit our website, DoloresHorta.org. Yes. Uh, how, can, how can people find you? Please yeah, give us everything. Yeah, it's uh, it's DoloresHorta.org. That's mm -hmm. our website. That's D-O-L-O-R-E-S uh, dot O-R-G. And please promote the movie. Uh, it's uh, the Dolores the Movie. Mm -hmm. That's the name of it. It's on the website. It has all of the schedule of where it's going to be shown in theaters. Yes. And uh, thank PBS because they're the ones that are doing the yes, distribution. Yes, we'll be sharing that information and on it's, our website. Uh, yeah, too. and tweet it, put it on your Instagram, on your Facebook. Oh, we're sharing it. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, okay? Yeah. Thank you so it, much, Dolores. I appreciate your time. Thank, thank you. And I'll be back here when the movie's been shown. Awesome. Yeah. We might see you again, Dolores. Yeah, hopefully. We'll <laughs> we'll be there. See, okay. Like I say, yeah, we'll, we'll see on. each other again. Right. Well, right. this is Nat. And this is Cindy. And this is Morado Lens. Bye-bye. Peace. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. 
si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 